welcome to the first spotlight brought to you by Connect, the property and construction business hub. I'm James Marriott. Today, our guest is Ajaz Ahmed, who is an entrepreneur, businessman, founder. There's a whole list of uh, things also recognised by the Queen in her uh, honours list, organ- uh, awarded uh, a British Empire Medal. Um, if you are listening to the podcast version of this, just let me set the scene. Uh, we're recording this virtually. We have an audience as part of our monthly Spotlight meeting. All the details and the links are in the description. Um, we do things a bit differently here. So rather than just handing over to our keynote speakers, we do this as uh, an interview. Um, Our audience will have a chance to put their questions to our guest as well. Uh, Let's bring um, Ajaz into the conversation. Ajaz, thank you for joining us. Good morning. Thank you. Um, let's do a little bit of a quick bit of background here. See, if I, I'm going to try and sum this up. I'll probably do a terrible job, uh, but you can correct okay. me on, on on what I get wrong here. So, um, you started working at Dixon's at the age of um, 16. Um, yeah. Worked your kind of way up uh, within the the company. Uh, you were managing the uh, Manchester branch, which was an incredibly successful um, branch. Then Dixon's bought PC World, which at the time was quite a small um, uh, company, quite a small business. Um, and then uh, you decided you wanted you wanted in on that. So you went to manage PC World in Leeds. Um, now, I, as I say, I've, I've done that very briefly because by this point, you're now 32 when you uh, go to work and uh, manage PC World in, in, in Leeds. Along comes this thing called the internet, at the time, everyone was like, what is internet, what's this? Is it going to take off? Don't know. Um, you bought a, a laptop and a modem. Uh, you were definitely an early, early adopter to the idea of the um, of the, the internet. And then you had an idea. Tell us about, tell us about that. Okay, well, very briefly, uh, thank you. I bought a modem. I heard about this thing called the internet. Uh, at the time, Microsoft didn't actually include a browser window because there was no point. Nobody was on the internet. And I asked the staff in my shop, how do you get onto the internet? And to my great surprise, nobody could tell me. And uh, eventually I managed to, um, through recommendation, phone a company called Demon Internet. And I said, I want to go on the internet. What do I need? And he said, you need a, um, a browser. I said, well, how do I get a browser? He said, you can FTP from our site. And I almost gave up because what the hell is an FTP? Um, and I eventually got a CD from a magazine cover and I downloaded the software and I got onto the internet from a company called CompuServe. And uh, when I got onto the internet, I thought, oh my God, this is fantastic. Everyone in the future is going to want to get onto the internet. Uh, and I started thinking about my experience and I thought every day, thousands of people must be coming to our shops, Dixon's Curry's PC World, and they're asking us, how do we get on the internet? And we turn around and we say, we don't know. So if we become an internet service provider, an ISP, we'll be able to get to the customer first. Uh, and really, that's, that was the idea. And the company that was started was FreeServe, which launched in 1998. And nine months later, we floated in the stock exchange with a valuation of 1.6 billion. So 1.5 billion, sorry. And at one point, it got all the way up to nine billion pounds. And we were a member of the FTSE 100. And, you know, a few months before, I was a manager in a shop and all of a sudden I was an executive officer in a FTSE 100 company. We eventually sold it to France Telecom three years after we launched for £1.6 billion. Uh, and that 
is probably the shortest summary I've, I've ever given about my history. Brilliant. So it, that? It, it's, um, I mean, kind of, you know, this is stuff that's, you know, kind of 20 odd years ago. It, it's not, it's not, you know, mm. decades and decades and decades ago. And yet it's crazy no. to kind of think about the days of, you know, no one really understanding what a browser is or, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, all this stuff about like the internet being new. Is it going to take off? Is it, is it, is it not? It's crazy how quick that, that whole industry's moved well, over the last 20 odd years. Yeah. Do you know, when we sold FreeServe in 2001, we didn't have a single broadband customer because there was no broadband. Uh, the fastest speed that we had was 56K. And I can't even imagine how to describe to someone what 56K is. And if, if broadband's that much, 56K was about that much. You wouldn't have pressed a video button or an audio button because it would have taken hours to, to download. And now, you know, to kids, you can't imagine, they can't imagine a world without broadband or Wi-Fi. Our world has changed so much in those 20 years. It really, I mean, we we wouldn't be here now having this uh, this chat without um, without broadband. Um, t- tell us a bit more then about about um, FreeServer and and the and the model because it was it was a unique model at the time, wasn't it? it yeah, uh, one of the questions people ask me is, well, if you gave away for free, how are you going to make any money? How did you make money? Well, originally, I wasn't going to give it away for free. Uh, we were going to charge seventeen pound ninety nine. A month, just like everyone else, and uh, I was actually going to call the business Channel Six. Uh, I thought we would become the sixth channel because it was ne- never going to be a Channel Six. So we registered in Channel Six. Everything was going okay, and then, but just by accident, British Telecom launched a business called BT Click, and BT Click was pay as you go. Uh, so instead of charging eighteen pounds a month, they were charging a local rate phone call plus. A penny a minute and uh, uh, so I thought oh well we're dead um, who's going to pay 18 pounds a month when you can pay as you go so we were looking into how can we do something as good or better than BT Click so just by accident we noticed that when a call starts on one network and terminates on another network British Telecom have to share that revenue and they collect the money and they just give you the share of the revenue and we thought that's the model, give it away for free and just make money from the local rate phone call. And, um, and when you think about it, we only get a fraction of a penny from every minute, a fraction. But when you're doing more than a billion minutes a month, that fraction of a penny soon added up. And we were making a fortune. And the best bit is we didn't have to collect the money. British Telecom collected the money and gave us our share. And because there were millions of people on our website, we could also make money from the search engine, for instance. We had a deal with a search engine company. We were making two and a half million pounds a year just from our share of the search revenue. And we, we were making hundreds of thousands of pounds from people who wanted to be on our website. So uh, actually, we made a fortune from giving something away for free. In hindsight, of course, everyone everyone knows of uh, FreeServe, or, or certainly everyone um, uh, that, that was kind of around at the at the time. Yeah. There must have been points where you, b- before it launched, where you kind of sat there thinking, "Is this really going to work? Is this going to take off?" You must have had some major, major doubts in those early days. Yeah, I think what happens is that when people come, well, people have a eureka moment. My eureka moment was. Um, you know, when I bought um, a computer and tried to get on the internet. And a eureka moment is normally a reaction to an event. 
something happens and you think, ah. And I think just about everyone during their life has um, eureka moments. But what most people do is they talk themselves out of doing it. You know, I've got a family, I've got a mortgage, I've got bills to pay, what if it doesn't work? So you actually talk yourself out of it. You don't actually do it. And uh, lots of people came up to me since Freeserve and they said, you know what, I had that idea as well, you know, I had that, yeah, but you didn't do anything about it, did you? <laughs> so uh, the, the, the trick is if you have a, a eureka moment, you've no point thinking about it, you've got to do something about it. And one of the things that you've got to do, um, I've written um, a post on LinkedIn talking about this subject, which is that um, uh, if you go and see people with a vested interest, uh, like your friends and your family, uh, they'll probably tell you it's a great idea. But if you, if you talk to people who have not vested interest, they might tell you the truth, actually, which is, yes, it's going to work. I like that idea. Or no, it's not going to work. And you might be upset uh, about the fact that they've said it's not going to work, but at least you've spoken to someone who hasn't got vested interest in it. And it's a bit like um, uh, uh, you know, uh, the X Factor on the television. You get all these people who think they can sing, and in the back, you've got the family, you've got the T-shirts on, sort of praying, uh, and because they're the ones that I've told them they can sing. And then Simon Cowell says, I'm sorry, you can't sing. And they're devastated. But they should have gone to someone who didn't have a vested interest. So I went to people who didn't have a vested interest. And they said, you know what? I think that might work. So that's the trick, really. Of course, nowadays, um, you, other than probably what's what's written on someone's uh, router in their house, you never really know kind of what what service provider um, someone uses for their internet. And moving um, from one to another is 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 an everyday occurrence now. Um, now, of course, back when you did this with with FreeServe, the, there was a physical thing because you needed the the CD. So, you know, I remember the days of um, going in places like Dixon's, Curry's, PC World, places like that, uh, and you'd have you know these these CD ROMs piled up high. How how did it yeah. feel for you for the for the company that you started working straight out of school at, at sixteen to you know see the thing that you'd created all these CDs piled up in in all these stores how how did that feel it felt fantastic it really did because people used to come up to you and say yeah I'm on free serve and still to this day actually uh, you know I, I gave uh, we had an event from my with my company Cuba which was name you can see there. In London last week, people come up to me saying, you know, I was on FreeServe. Uh, and I thought by now people would have forgotten about FreeServe, but still people remember, remember FreeServe with fond memories. And the younger people who weren't around at the time, uh, they'll say things like, my father was on FreeServe or, you know, my friend was on FreeServe and these have a FreeServe email address. And it seemed to have a long legacy and it was fantastic. But of course, FreeServe, not only did it feel great, but it, it changed my life. It allowed me to do things that I wouldn't have been able to do if I'd stayed uh, a shop manager in uh, PC World. So it really changed my life enormously. Uh, and that's what happens if you had a great idea. Uh, everything changes. I've got to meet everyone from the Queen, as, as you know, to the President of the United States, to the Prime Minister. I've been to Downing Street. I've been in the front page of the Times. The list goes on. It's been, uh, And I'm here today talking to you. That's amazing, incredible, um, incredible achievements. What What was the moment then when you realised this is working, this is taking off? W was that? Can you pinpoint a, a certain kind of moment where you just thought, "Yeah, this is this is happening." Yeah, uh, we launched um, 
free serve at 11 o'clock in the morning at uh, the Financial Times building on the 22nd of September um, in London. And uh, BBC went to see uh, America Online, AOL, and they asked them for their opinion. And they said, no, it's not going to work. It's not what people want. And the reason they said that, obviously, is because they had this office with hundreds of people in it. They had all this money coming in. And they obviously going to say it's not going to work. But we were on the one o'clock news and they were interviewing AOL and they were talking about free serve. And when I phoned the office back in Leeds, there were thousands and thousands of people trying to sign in. And I knew then we had a success simply because there were so many people trying to get onto the internet and on the BBC news. The day after we were in all the papers and people were talking about it. So I knew from then that we were going to be a success. You mentioned earlier about, um, you know, people that have asked you about how you made something work when it was effectively free. And I'm really interested in um, in, in, in this, part, partly because obviously I work in uh, podcasting and there's a company called Anchor who provide free podcast hosting for people. M- m- every other business yeah. charges for it. Anchor provide it for free. And I often say to people, well, the only problem is free isn't a great business model. At some point, someone's got to pay for this thing to exist, which obviously is kind of going against what what you're saying. So I just want to probe a little bit further, really, to find out how how yeah. do you how do you know whether something can work as a, as a free model? Well, everywhere you go, things are free, aren't they? Uh, uh, most of the things on on the internet are free. As I, I said, you wrote a, a post on um, on LinkedIn yesterday. Uh, the image on it. That was free, but there's lots of uh, other sites where they charge you for the image. When I go on the train, I like reading the Metro. Uh, fantastic newspaper, and it's free, whereas I read the Times normally during the week, and I have to pay for that. Um, so where, whichever business you go into, there are people that give things away for free because, because they've looked into it carefully about how they can make money by giving away things for free. Advertising is normally uh, the thing that people uh, think about. I, you know, if I can get people to visit my website, then I'll be able to sell advertising. So the, the more people visiting a website, um, the, the more money you can make from advertising. But re- really what the most popular model on the internet is, you have a freemium model, you give it away for free, and then you've got two or three other versions of it with extra features that, that you can pay for. And people do that. Um, they use the old McDonald's model, which is, you know, if you want to buy some coffee or a drink, they have small, medium and large. And the large, nobody's going to buy. Uh, and they do it on purpose uh, because then you focus in on the, the medium because that is the easiest to actually buy and it's, it's the best uh, you know, value for money. And, and that's what happens with a female model. Uh, you get a free uh, with the limited features on it you get the, the large one, which has got too many features on it. So you end up buying the one in the middle, which has got exactly the right features on it. So that in the internet, that's the way you can get people to pay for things. The female model. Real. Did Was it always the plan then to, to sell free serve? Did you always have an exit strategy from, from the beginning? No, uh, I really couldn't even imagine what was going to happen. Uh, a few weeks after we launched, 
Um, the Daily Mirror called me up and they said, can you come and see us? We'd like to talk to you. Uh, I said, no problem. So I went along to London and went to the 22nd floor of the Canary Wharf building and went to see the chief operations manager of the Daily Mirror. And uh, we sat down, had some tea. Um, and he said, look, I'll get to the point. We really like what you're doing. We want to buy half the company. And I sat there and I thought, well, I said, you know, we don't need to sell half the company. We've got lots of money because we're on Dixons. Uh, we don't need to get any marketing because, again, uh, we've got all the marketing we need from, from Dixons. Uh, so why do we need to sell half the business? So I said no to him. And he got quite upset, actually, because he's probably not used to people saying no to someone like the Daily Mirror. And uh, after I left the meeting, I phoned Dixons up and I said, you know, just to let you know, I've been to the Daily Mirror and they wanted about half the business. And I've said no. And I said to the guy I was talking to, do you know what? I bet we could have got 20 million pounds for free serve. And he said, do you think? I said, yeah, I bet we could have done. Little did I know, nine months later, we were going to float in the stock exchange for one and a half uh, billion pounds. Uh, so when we sold the business three years later to France Telecom for 1.6 billion, but someone offers you that sort of money, you're not going to turn it down, are you, really? Uh, I would have been happy with 100 million, I, I imagine. It's astronomical sums of money, isn't it? It's, it's it is, such, yeah. such big sort of... Uh, yeah. By the way, just for the avoidance of doubt, I'm not a billionaire. Right? So, Dick's owned more of the business. I'm just a millionaire. So, uh, I don't want anybody else for a loan or anything like that. <laughs> well, that was going to be my next question. I'll, uh, I'll I'll move on to a different one. Um, uh, okay. When you, when you kind of look back then, um, is, is there anything that you do differently, if you could go back? Yeah, uh, was, you know, it, it's probably not what you think, actually. But I was there when people like Amazon, Apple, I was actually there at the launch of the iPod and the iPhone, uh, Google, um, the list of Facebook and what have you. Do you know, I never bought any shares in any of those businesses. How daft am I? <laughs> I was there. It was my, my industry. I should have been buying shares and sat here on millions and millions of pounds of uh, shares and these great companies. That's my biggest regret, believe it or not. I, I wanted to ask a bit um, related to that, actually, about, you know, you're you're someone that was there right at the, at the beginning of this kind of digital mm-hmm. boom that we've seen over the last kind of 25 years. How yeah. do you feel about how, um, you know, the internet has, has changed and developed? We've just come through a, a, a two-year pandemic that i think the only reason the world kept moving was because we have the the internet um how yeah how how do you feel then looking back about how things have 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 changed i don't think we could have imagined how our world would would be changed by the internet um i really i can't even when we go back 20 years i wouldn't have been able to predict what's going to happen um i was there at the launch of the ipod where Steve Jobs pulled out this little device and he said, a thousand songs in your pocket. And I couldn't imagine that you could have a thousand songs in your pocket. I was there uh, when Steve Jobs launched the iPhone. And now, you know, we, if we don't have our device with us, uh, we feel lost, don't we? It, we take it everywhere with us. Um, I'm, I'm talking to you now uh, on my iPad, believe it or not, not on my computer, my iPad. Uh, and we've got all these people watching, listening in. Uh, early on this year, um, I was uh, on holiday in Pakistan. Uh, but before then, 
car dealer magazine contacted me and said, we'd like you to do a video debate with one of the large dealership groups because I wrote a, a blog about how if car dealers don't change, the, the disruptor is going to come in and they're going to take all their customers from them unless they change. And uh, when he gave me the date and I said, I'm not actually in the country, I'm in Pakistan. And I thought, actually, it doesn't make a difference, does it? Uh, so I just using the same iPad, I actually had a video debate and there was one guy in crew, believe it or not, one guy in London. And thousands of people around the country watched it because people wrote to me afterwards. And, you know, just a few years ago, I couldn't imagine that. The other big thing is artificial intelligence. Um, people hear about it, but uh, they don't realize they've been using it for years. Uh, when you type a text in on your phone, it predicts the next word you're going to use. Sometimes people stop and think, how did it know that? Um, it, that's artificial intelligence. There's all sorts of things that we can't even, we don't even think about that we're using artificial intelligence for already. already and we, it's going to get better and better and better in the future. Um, one of the things that's changed my life is passwords. Uh, I used to forget passwords. I used to have a, a separate bit of paper with all my passwords on it. Now, with my Apple phone and iPad and my computer, it remembers all my passwords using either fingerprint or a face, you know, this face, facial recognition. Wow, fantastic. And Apple announced uh, last month that they're working with Microsoft and Google on getting rid of passwords altogether. So our life is just going to get better and better with use of technology, things that we can't even imagine, actually. People try and predict the future. We can't. All I know is it's going to get better and better and smaller and smaller. Uh, we, we've actually had a, a tech question, but I'll, I'll come back to that in um, All right, okay. in, in a few minutes. Um, okay. So, I mean, this this kind of, uh, it, it's almost kind of like the business equivalent of, of uh, Roy the Rovers, isn't it? Kind of joining a company at, at 16, working your way up and then going mm. on to, you know, sell for billions. Do you think it could ever happen again? Do you do you think it's still possible for for that kind of scenario to to happen? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. Uh, but the thing is, it may not be a billion pound idea. It may be an idea that's worth uh, a lot less. Uh, but one of the things that um, I've learned is that uh, you can apply uh, the formula for success in any business. It doesn't matter what the business is. And since uh, FreeServe, I've helped so many businesses and they've been in all sorts of different things. So I've helped a law firm, I've helped an accountancy firm, uh, I've helped all sorts of different firms. And all I've done is applied the same formula uh, for success. So the formula is exactly the same. And if you want to know what the formula is, it's, it's very simple. First thing is, have you got a product or service that people actually want? Uh, is a product or service the things that uh, you know people actually demand? And once you've got that right, the right price and things like that, then the next thing is you've got to have a brand that that people recognise. Uh, there's someone actually watching. They've got NASA on there. Uh, people recognise that brand and the logo and things like that. Uh, and so you've got to get your brand right. There's someone down the road. Uh, there's a, a actually a double glazing firm. And they rebranded. What a boring product to double glazing, but they rebranded. And I bet you now their sales have gone up because it looks much more professional than it did before. And then the, na- the next thing is uh, you've got to make sure your operations uh, run in an efficient way. Uh, lots of companies that I meet, it, it's so, uh, the, the operations are so inefficient, uh, they're probably losing money 
they're probably employing people that are not fit for the job. So work on the operations and make it more efficient. Uh, and then the last thing, you've got to find an efficient way of actually acquiring customers. And that really is the biggest thing that people get wrong. They've got this great idea, they open the business, but they never think about how am I actually going to get the customers. And that's the thing that people fall down on. Uh, they think we're going to advertise. Yeah, it costs a lot of money to advertise. The reason why free service was so successful, and people said to me, why didn't you do it yourself? Uh, well, the reason I didn't do it myself was Dixon's had a route to market. We didn't spend a penny on advertising or marketing because hundreds of thousands of people walking through our stores every day, picking up CDs, so there was no cost of acquisition. People have to spend a fortune on actually advertising. And sometimes the, the cost of advertising is more than the, the, the money they'll make from that customer. So those are the, that's a formula that people have to get right, and you can apply it to any business. It doesn't matter what that business is. That's an amazing insight. Um, thank you for that. I, I think you touched on this earlier on, but I, I want to ask this as a, as a question. If, if there's mm. someone uh, listening to this or someone that's in the audience now who at the, at the back of their mind, they're thinking, Do you know what, I've got an idea, right, that I think could take off. What, what would your advice be to someone in that situation that thinks, I, I don't know if it is the, the, the next free serve, but I really do believe in this idea? Um, it's, a, it's a very difficult one, that, uh, because, um, as I said to you, you know, people go and talk to people with their vested interest. Um, people will turn, you know, people say, no, it's not going to work. And I've got to admit, if, if Airbnb had come to me, I would have said, that's a stupid idea. I'm not going to speak. Stay in people's beds in people's houses. I don't think it's going to work, but it's going to be such a successful idea. Um, I was talking to Pam yesterday about this very thing. Uh, if, if I was a buyer in supermarket, I would have, and somebody came to see me and said, we can sell ice cubes. I thought, stupid. Who's going to want to buy ice cubes? Everyone's got a freezer, but you know what? People are going to the supermarket and buying ice cubes for a pound. I think they're a pound because I'm not buying them. Um, you know, there's lots and lots of ideas that I would have turned down. Uh, so just because someone said no doesn't mean to say it's not a good idea. And Dixon's actually turned me down. The managing director of PC World said no. Uh, let's focus on building the PC World business because we haven't got many shops. Uh, no. And the thing that uh, caused me to carry on was an article that I read in Vanity Fair magazine. And they managed to get all these people together that they called the new establishment. And they said the old establishment were the oil barons and the steel uh, kings and what have you. And uh, there was a guy talking about Ted Turner. And Ted Turner was the guy who started CNN, the world's first 24-hour news channel. And what he said was, what? Well, people like Ted are required to do is do the obvious before it becomes obvious to everyone else. Because by the time it becomes obvious to everyone else, it's too late because people like Ted have done it and the other guys haven't. I mean, what possible reason did Ted have to start a 24-hour news channel? It blows your mind. And if you think about it, yeah, people probably said, no, who's going to watch news 24 hours a day? When re really, it's about watching news when you want to watch it. The, the first thing I did yesterday when I heard about people quitting in the government was turn on Sky News. And 
BBC News. And this morning, the first thing I did was uh, I went to 24-hour news to find out what's going on. So it, it's about watching news when you want to watch it, not watching news 24 hours a day. So really, it's about doing the obvious before it becomes obvious to everyone else, because a lot of people will say, no, it's not a good idea because they haven't got the obvious. So um, it's a difficult one because sometimes people have got crap ideas, um, but sometimes uh, the idea is fantastic. It's just that everyone else can't see it. Um, Talk to me about Abdul's. Yeah, okay. Uh, So the same year as FreeServe, I actually started an Indian takeaway, believe it or not with my best friend, Abdul. Uh, Abdul used to work in Dixon's and he got made redundant. And he got a job. He had a passion for food. He got a job in a takeaway. I used to go see him in that takeaway, mainly because I got free food. Uh, But, you know, I started talking to him. I said, you know, Abdul, let's start our own takeaway because we're retailers. Uh, We understand retail. We understand all the things that other um, takeaways don't understand. So he said, yes, so... We started, uh, we decided to open a takeaway. He wanted to call it Chili's. And I said, no, I want a name with where there's a person behind the brand. Let's call it Abdul's. And he said, okay, so I bought Abdul's.com. So I own Abdul's.com, Abdul's.co.uk, which must be worth a fortune in, 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 so, you know, on itself. Um, and anyway, we opened this takeaway. And we figured out all the things that other people get wrong, uh, which is that the food has always got to taste the same. Uh, If you go to McDonald's or pizza, it always tastes the same. So we built a separate production unit that we make all the components of the food during the day. And it gets finished off at night, so we don't actually need a chef. We're not relying on one person. Um, So when we opened it, it was very, very successful, but we thought we need someone to come and open it to get ourselves in the paper. And we thought we could get someone from um, a politician, um, a sports person, something like that. And in the end, we decided that we'd hire the biggest racist in the country to come and open it. We hired the late, great Bernard Manning, who was known (laughs) for telling jokes that weren't politically correct. So we hired him and we put a press release out. And to our great surprise, every single national newspaper turned up. And they weren't really bothered about an Indian takeaway, they came to have a go at Bernard Manning. So this stretched white limo pulls up and the shop, uh, uh, fat guy gets out of the car and he said, what's the story, son? So I told him and he said, leave them to me, I'll sort them out. And they all descended upon uh, Bernard Manning. But the, the lesson there is that PR is the best way of getting free publicity. But people only write about you if you've got something interesting to say. If it's not interesting, no one's going to write about it. So if you've got um, a great story that's a bit different, then do a press release and you'll get into the papers for nothing. I I get into the papers all the time because I start something off with um, uh, a title or something that people will catch people's attention. So if you've got, um, if you can get a great idea, do a press release, people will write about it because most days, Editors got nothing to write about, and they're desperate to write about something. And if it's different, you'll get into the paper for nothing. And so that worked, and it's been successful ever since. Amazing. Um, and you can find th- it on abdulls.com. Um, <laughs> sorry. 
No, that's a good plug. Um, I, we have got a couple of audience questions. One, one more question that I want to ask then, which is, okay. you know, we've we've talked here about this fantastic story that 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 you've um, that you've got. Um, talked, to, you know, you mentioned about some of the businesses that you've helped since. Um, yeah. Is there anything left that you that you want to do? Have you got anything left on the on the bucket list? Yeah, uh, I love. I mean, I don't want to work nine to five ever again, uh, so I'm not doing that. But I love helping businesses and seeing the before and after. It's great being able to see something. It's a bit like uh, when you watch on the television when they come and do your garden or your house and whatever. It's a great feeling because if you can turn around a business and make it successful, then it feels great. So that's one of the things that I, I keep on doing, helping people by having uh, turning around a business that's struggling or a business that can do better before and after. But in the process, if I come up with a great idea, I'm going to do it as well. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, question from um, Jonathan, who asks, what makes an entrepreneur succeed? What makes them different to just a general business owner? Yeah. So I often see on LinkedIn, serial entrepreneur, entrepreneur, uh, things like that. But most of them haven't got a clue what an entrepreneur is. Now, what's the difference between an entrepreneur and a business person? Um, and there is a difference. And an entrepreneur has got attention to detail. They actually see things that other people don't see. And I think that's very, very important, attention to detail. The second one is that an entrepreneur has got more empathy with, with people. They've got a greater power of empathy. Uh, the, so they become the customer. Now, if you if you think about Steve Jobs, for instance, he could imagine himself as the customer. Uh, so they don't. Apple don't do any, um, you know, uh, anything where they hire consultants or what have you, any surveys or anything like that. They put themselves in the customer's shoes. An example of that is Steve Jobs thought to himself, you know what, we need to be in the retail business because at the moment. We're putting our products in someone else's hands. We don't control the last piece of the jigsaw. And he went to his board and he said, we should become retailers. And his board said no, uh, because his board was full of business people. And he didn't give up. He went, he hired, uh, hired a warehouse and he actually built a store. Uh, and once he built the store, he invited his board to have a look at the store. And once uh, they actually saw it, uh, then... Um, they thought, ah, it's a great idea. So the last thing is that um, business people can only, uh, they can't actually, uh, they, sorry, I'll start again. Entrepreneurs can see it before it actually happens, whereas business people like to see it. So when Steve Jobs took them around to the store, then they could they can understand what it is, whereas before they couldn't imagine Apple being in the retail business and Apple now have got the, highest sales per square foot of any retailer in the world. So those are three things that make a difference. And you can read the, read the book that Steve Jobs wrote before he passed away, and it talks about that in there. And people like Apple, Nike, Ikea, don't do customer surveys. They become the customer. And, uh, and I think that's what you've got to do. I hate businesses where they quote surveys. You know, just become the customer. Uh, the guy that said no to me, uh, went on to become the chief executive at uh, Argos. And Argos hired consultants, and the consultants, when they weren't doing well, and they said to him, 
we need you need to reposition Argos as more of an internet business. Well, he could have gone down to the shops and asked the, the customers and the people working behind the counter, why are people not spending money with us? They would have told him for free. Amazing, amazing. Um, the final question comes from uh, Christina. I said we were going to go back to um, tech. We touched on it earlier. Um, Christina's yeah. interested in your views on uh, how the internet is is changing uh, with uh, Web three and and Meta. So, what's what's your view on that and kind of future direction? Yeah, I mean, one of the problems is most people won't understand those things. I think, uh, and it's going to keep on evolving. That. Uh, uh, how it's going to evolve, I've no idea, to be honest. Um, things keep on changing. Uh, uh, people start using them. Uh, you know, as I said before, we w- wouldn't be able to predict some of the things that we're now doing. Uh, but I think some of the things that people like Facebook are talking about, uh, Web3 and Meta and things like that, yeah, it's going to happen. Uh, but I wouldn't be able to predict if it's going to happen and what's, what sort of shape it's going to be. All I know is that the internet is going to keep on changing. Uh, it's going to get quicker. It's going to get faster. Uh, the way we use things, the way we talk to people, uh, it's all going to keep on changing every single year. Very true. Very true. Well, thank you, Ajaz. It's been a real pleasure um, chatting to you for today's um, Spotlight. Thank you very much for uh, for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Well, we'll have another great guest next month. If you'd like to find out more about Connect Spotlights or to book to come to any of our meetings, there's more information and you can get all the links you need in the show description.